0: Hi, this is Lauren Engel of Sidewalk Talk. I do a lot of interviews with EDM artists, pop artists, rappers and people in the industry letting you know what they do behind the scenes. Also, make sure to follow us on Instagram and Twitter through the handle Sidewalk Talk Show. Hope you guys enjoy. Hi, this is Lauren Engel of Sidewalk Talk. Today I'm here with Danik. Hello. <laughs> so you're born in Breton, Netherlands? Yeah, correct. And your parents were born there as well? or?
1: Yeah, my parents were born there as well. And uh, if you don't know the city, it's the same city as where Tiesto is from mm. and Hardwell, obviously. So yeah. It's, uh, yeah. A lot so of DJs come from, originally so from America.
0: All your excited family is still there?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. And that's why I, I will never move. Um, I, l- I love it so much. It's like, it's really coming home for me.
0: Mhm. What do your parents do?
1: Uh, my parents are now uh, retired. Uh, so there, um, my mom is like she was like uh, a teacher, oh. and my dad was like had uh, principal.
0: Also, both in the academic field. Yeah,
1: both <laughs> in the academic field, and then my dad also had this big uh, watch uh, website. Oh, and uh, so the, he did that on the on the side. But it turned out to be like even bigger than his whole principal career. So. Uh, <laughs> he's an entrepreneur. He's an entrepreneur. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he sold everything, and I was, uh, yeah, they retired happily. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Where do you think you got your creative side from? Um, I think
1: from both, actually. Uh, I mean, my dad was all, yeah, always like working on his laptop and his computer back in the days, and that's how he created his website and stuff, and it's very creative. And then my mom. She's actually a great. Yeah, she draws. Oh wow! So she's uh, not like professionally, but like as a hobby. Mm-hmm. And uh, and she's very. she she would make like clothes for us, for my sister and me. Yeah. So she, yeah, I think that's that's where the creative part comes in. And um, yeah, for the rest I, I always. You know, when I was little, I I would go to the kitchen and then grab all the pots and pans and just start like making music, or I thought it was music, We I start drumming on them and making a lot of noise, and um, yeah, music was always, always there. My mom and dad were always playing music.
0: What kind of music?
1: Like, literally like everything from uh, Otis Redding to uh, Sting, The Police, U2, uh, pff, classical music as well, mm-hmm. so like as a kid, I yeah, I kind of absorbed it and always wanted to listen to music in my own room. So when I was maybe seven or eight, I already had like huge speakers in my my own bedroom. Oh wow! And just like recording stuff from the radio and
0: you were yeah. doing that with your sister, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like yeah, a yeah.
0: little brother sister radio show. That yeah, so we did that cute.
1: too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We recorded our, ourselves. Just, <laughs> I don't know, like. Doing a crazy radio show and it's it's super fun. Mm-hmm.
0: Did you play instruments?
1: No, oh, I didn't. I uh, I I mean I did like two sessions on a guitar, but I didn't really feel it. I was like, no, I just want to listen to music and I'd make it. <laughs> But yeah, eventually I thought it myself by, by doing it on the computer, obviously.
0: Mm-hmm. And the person who really clicked to you was Michael Jackson, right, back then?
1: Michael Jackson. Your Billie Jean was your first Yeah, person. Billie Jean is like... <laughs> I, I still can't can get over that song. Um, it's amazing. I just saw the documentary about Quincy Jones. Mm. But it's on Netflix now. Yeah. It's so, so sick. They, they actually made that song like in one hour or something, even less. Wow, so, that's
0: insane.
1: I love it. And I think that's also where the the music that I make it has to have some some co- sort of groove. Mm-hmm. It needs to be funky. I think that's that's really important. And um, yeah, maybe that kind of got, yeah, like Michael Jackson is one of those that influenced me.
0: And what does your sister do now? Is she doing creative stuff? Uh, she's actually
1: in the healthy food industry. Oh, so, so she, different. Yeah, she she makes like food plans for people and <laughs> diet plans, or how do you say that? Yeah. And uh, yeah, that's great. And she has her own like website oh, where wow. she has like amazing recipes of. What is it? Stuff. Maybe they wanna. Uh, it's 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 Dutch. It's, oh. it's called Nikki kan het weten. I'm following her on Instagram, so if you want to check it out. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it's great, she just posted like, amazing pics of, of food and like watering my mouth already. Oh my gosh. I, I see it.
0: How do you describe yourself back then growing up? Your personality?
1: Uh, I was always like super energetic, always playing outside, uh, playing soccer as well. Uh, if I weren't a DJ, I would probably be like a soccer player. Oh. <laughs> but then I became a DJ and. You know, you have like the, the matches are on Saturday or Sundays, mm-hmm. sometimes like really early in the morning. Yeah. And I just couldn't, I couldn't do it anymore <laughs> because I was always like DJing and yeah. like, yeah till till 4 a.m. <laughs> um, and yeah, what else? Did you
0: like school? Like were you good at school?
1: I was actually, I, I didn't really like it. I, I didn't even put too much effort in it. So I kind of, uh, yeah, I, I, I have my degrees and stuff and that's all, all good and well, but I wanted to do something creative. I was always doing DJing on the side and when I was really young, I already had my own drive-in show. So I was DJing at friends parties and oh. school school parties yeah. as well. I think I was 12, f- f- yeah, 12 and then my dad, which, <laughs> he was my driver <laughs> <laughs> and it's like nothing spectacular. Like, simple cd players and then hi-fi set of my dad and it just all went in the car and then we drove towards some kind of birthday party and (laughs) i was just yeah
0: (laughs) how did it click to you to even start djing because um were your parents playing electronic music no Uh,
1: i i think when i was young like the the mp3 scene came up like on the internet and stuff so I was downloading stuff from the internet and um, you didn't have, like, streamed festivals or, or even th- those kind of things on mm-hmm. YouTube, so I actually found this mixtape from uh, Bob Sinclair and it has had, like, those tribal housey grooves that I really loved and, it, it, yeah, I kind of searched for more of that and then I found something about Funkerman and Feather Grand. Mm-hmm and that really got me hooked on electronic music actually.
0: And the first, was it the club you played Jansen? How do you say it? Yeah.
1: (laughs) It's called Cafe Jansen, Cafe Cafe (laughs) Jansen. And uh, it's just literally like a super small bar where it can only hold up to uh, 200 people. And uh, I just started DJing there and then just playing open format, everything in between. I started trying to mix all like all kinds of genres. And that's why I yeah, I really grew like musically and I started to invest my money in actually buying the CDs and mm-hmm. stuff. And uh, there was actually a DJ that I looked up to, DJ Servi. And he was mixing like crazy. He was mixing like Michael Jackson with a house beat and then onto hip-hop and everything like like yeah. Was so well mixed. And um he actually was like a big mentor for me, so he mm. taught me how to do that and he actually uh proposed me to a couple of bars and yeah, had the chance to play there for the first time, and then they wanted me as well, so I was really busy, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I played like every thursday, Friday, Saturday, and like six hours straight um but i I loved it it was so much fun yeah. i was I was young it was like yeah the best thing he, that you can do.
0: <laughs> How old were you at that point?
1: I started when I just turned 17.
0: Mm.
1: I started doing that so uh, yeah Mondays I was like a complete wreck at school. <laughs> I wasn't worth anything I was like f- completely uh, destroyed but uh, I was always in my head like thinking oh yeah I should do like something with uh, I should mix this with that and blah, blah blah and I was trying it at home and then eventually that when I got my computer and I got like this program called Sony Acid. I actually could mix something before that, so that's like the first mashup I made. Mm. It's like I was 19 or something. So I started doing mashups, and uh, I think Funkerman or someone, he had like a remix competition, so I downloaded some stems and I tried to make my own beat, <laughs> and um, that's how I... Yeah, started to actually produce music instead
0: of only mashups. Was that the competition that you won, or was that? Yeah, yeah.
1: no, no, that was yeah, that was actually later. So, and at that point, I also I um, yeah, just met Hartwell, and he was already like ahead of me, like production-wise. So he taught me how to do some things. So he really put uh, put me on his shoulders, and he taught me basically everything I needed to know about production and. Yeah. Then from that moment on, it started to go really quickly. So I, I was only making music. Like f- during the night, I was just working on music, and then uh, in the afternoon, I was at school, like sitting there with bags under my eyes, but <laughs> already thinking of, oh tonight I'm gonna make this or that. <laughs> um, and you so met yeah. him
0: at a club, or did you talk to him before? I met him at Café Yonse. Oh, oh! I met him at the bar,
1: <laughs> and and just genuinely, I didn't know who he was. Like. I knew he, he was a DJ and he was like playing in clubs uh, in, uh, in our country, but I didn't know that he was so big or whatever. Mm-hmm. At that time he wasn't like well known internationally, he was just sliding out. Um, you, so that was, yeah. we, we just connected, uh, we connected because we had the same passion and, uh, and also like the same musical taste. Our taste in music, so that was, that was great.
0: Mm-hmm. And then you went to college, university.
1: Yeah 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 I did my I have my bachelor in marketing. And from that moment on when I had my bachelor I started to work as a marketing uh a marketing manager for a company that sold uh LEDs, mm-hmm. so light lights and it was really fun but after 3 years I was like okay. Um my production started to become yeah, better and better and I uh, had some opportunities to DJ at yeah, the at international party with Tiësto, and then actually Hard was like, dude, you should like quit your job and yeah. come tour with me?" And I'm like, "No, man, it's too big, big of a risk." And <laughs> you know, it's 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 a big gamble, anyways, because you're mm-hmm. you're choosing for your passion, and then the safe zone is just your work and yeah. your, you know your degree and stuff.
0: Mm-hmm. Actually, what clicked to you to study marketing? Like out of so um, many choices actually because that
1: was yeah I I love being creative and I think marketing is all about being creative and trying to come up with things to yeah to make a product you know sell better or whatever I I just felt that that connection Mm -hmm. and um, it's something I I still use nowadays obviously yeah
0: do you think if it wasn't for producing and DJing you'd still be doing marketing
1: yeah Mm. but I think I would start my own company, and then yeah. Do something. yeah. Um, but then again, I had an amazing time there at the, the business, uh, at the job I was I was working.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But yeah, at one time I <laughs> I talked to my parents actually, and I was like, yeah, I have this opportunity, but no, it's a hard choice. And then they said, like back in the days, we couldn't choose our for profession. Mm-hmm. So it was like you have your degree, and that's what you should do. So. Um, you know, for one year, whatever happens, we have your back, like oh, financially wow. or whatever. And just, you know, go for it. Mm-hmm. See if it works. If it doesn't work, you can always go back to your working life as mm-hmm. a marketeer or whatever.
0: Outside and of, that, was, yeah.
1: that was the turning point in my, uh, in my career, in my life actually. And it was kind of emotional as well because it's, it's, it's huge. It's something mm-hmm. really special and I'm really thankful for that.
0: Outside of Hardwell, like, did you have other people in Netherlands that were do it? Was able to have a career as a? No. So you were so you didn't even know if it was a viable career choice. No,
1: it's like literally. Obviously, like uh, Robert showed me a lot of support. He's like, yeah, you, you should come. Uh, I w- I'll introduce you to uh, my agent, and maybe we can, you know, you can tour with me or whatever. So that's what we did. But that's like st- you're still under someone's wings. So it's kind of it's still. It's not like you're, you're thrown in the deep, it's like you have someone that's actually already there. So he really yeah, put me on his shoulders for, for that time. But of, of course, if I if I didn't have any talent or whatever, there's nothing much he could do. So I had to work my ass off. I really invested all my time I had, every single spare time that I had, in producing music and yeah, just making my craft, uh, developing my craft. So... That's so what I did, and um, that's when the first release on Revealed mm-hmm. was uh, was a collaboration with something a demo that I made, uh, and then even Hartwell, he's <laughs> he's like, yeah, I love this. We should finish it together, and I'm I'm gonna sing on it. And he's like, I'm gonna sing on it, <laughs> and that was Get Down Girl. Yeah, and um, yeah, the rest is history. At, at that time, I was actually DJ Funkadelic. I wasn't called Danik.
0: Oh.
1: Um, because uh, yeah, Funkadelic is actually a, uh, no, it's a 70s band from from here.
0: Mm-hmm. Why did so, you decide to change your name?
1: Yeah, well, that was when things got more and more professional, and I got actually um, an invite from an agent here in the U.S. But he's like, yeah, we sh- you, there's only one thing you should change your name. Like, change my name. Yeah, because if you want to <laughs> release music here under Funkadelic, it's gonna be you know, because it's gonna be a tough one. Mm-hmm. So that's what m- made me change my name. I was like, okay, maybe something close to my real name, Dan. Mm-hmm. So I was like, Funkadenik. You know, oh. Just and then my sister's name is Nikki, so it's Dan and Nikki. Oh. Dan, Nick, or whatever. <laughs>
0: so cute. Yeah. <laughs> how were you living? Like, did, did you, like, after you quit your job, how were you, like, supporting yourself financially?
1: Uh, in the beginning, it was really hard.
0: I mean, I had I had a
1: buffer. I I saved a lot of money, and because mm. I was DJing in the weekends, well, yeah, you know that was kind of where I uh, saved a lot of money. Um, I was living on my on my own already, so I had an apartment to uh, t- that I leased and uh, or rented. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, in the beginning, it was actually really hard because at one time I was like, oh shit, you know, all the money that I make with DJing, is now going straight to my rent.
0: <laughs> oh. And
1: the rest is like, okay, and now. But, um, I mean, yeah, obviously I was touring with Hardwell, but it, it didn't, I mean, it, at first it was like me investing and I had to pay my own flights and stuff. It's like, <laughs> you know, you have to, uh, yeah, how do you say that? You really have to, yeah. to, to earn some, some, your spot. So it wasn't easy to go, oh yeah, okay, then we're gonna book you or whatever. Uh, so yeah, it was before my first actual money came in. It took another six months maybe. Mm. And then it was like, I uh, started with 500 bucks for a DJ show, you no. know. <laughs> so it wasn't, wasn't that much, but at the time I was super happy with any money that I could mm-hmm. get.
0: What was the next step that gave you momentum in your career?
1: Um, I think actually just releasing on on Heart was Label Revealed. Mm-hmm. that's what really gave me the first uh recognition and the first fans so i, I really built up a fan base really quickly and it, it like really blew blew me away actually uh because just making music in my in my you know bedroom studio and all of a sudden there were people like oh, i love your music blah, blah, or i hate your music it's <laughs> always it's always that that yeah. one, one guy that's going to hate <laughs> on it but that's fine everyone has his own taste mm-hmm. um and then was it And then, yeah, it was like my first solo show that really, uh, yeah, that really did it for me, I guess, personally. That was like a goal that I had Mm -hmm. for a solo show and then Tomorrowland Main Stage in
0: 2014.
1: Yeah. Oh, I was so nervous. (laughs) That was like the highlight of my career so far. Mm -hmm. uh, Because it was, I wasn't only playing for the people in front of me, but eventually they posted the live set on YouTube. And that's what, yeah, like completely blew up.
0: Yeah. yeah. And then was it kind of like at the same time that you're gaining like fans in Europe that you're gaining in the US? Yeah. Or was it like you had to consciously cross over into like US waters?
1: No, I was already doing shows in, in the US back then. And uh, I was gaining some fans here and there. But that really gave me the, the final like push. Um, because everyone was sharing that video of me playing at Tomorrowland and saying oh Danik, he's like, uh, oh I like his sound or whatever mm-hmm. he's a good DJ whatever Um so more and more promoters yeah are like oh I'm interested to book him and that's when my first solo shows in the US came as well.
0: Mm-hmm. How did you meet, uh, meet Tiesto?
1: Tiesto, the first time I met him was in Breda actually because um one of the guys that he started working with, he's my accountant as well. Mm-hmm. So he was in, in Breda, we, we had dinner together and he's like a super down-to-earth guy, but I was like, sh- I was starstruck. I was like, holy shit, it's Tiesto. is not your your, 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 your your neighbor or something. Like, he's, but he's uh, the most down-to-earth and kind guy that I knew and um, he's actually giving me a lot of tips Especially with, uh, with jet lags and stuff, because mm. in the beginning I was like, how do you do it? I couldn't, I couldn't get used to it. And then he gave me some, some advice and also like listen to some music and he helped me with, uh, uh, with a vocal for a track that I did. So yes, he's like a, a mentor as well.
0: How did you decide that you wanted to do all your different shows? Like the, the radio stuff, I mean.
1: I wanted to show more and more of myself, as a, as, a, as a DJ, but also the person behind the DJ. And I think it started, yeah, front of house, radio started kind of quick. Because uh, that was my Tomorrowland set, it was the first episode, actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I really wanted to emphasize on what, what the Danik sound was about, so... Obviously, everyone knew me from Revealed and stuff, but I didn't have... Not everyone knew, like, okay, what, what's Danik gonna play when he's, when he's here or whatever. So, that's why I started my radio show.
0: But What year was that?
1: 2013.
0: Okay, so like kind of at the beginning when Cl- all the yeah, other yeah, DJs, DJs yeah. started.
1: Exactly. And then front of house TV started a little bit later, I guess. Because, you know, you have to bring a cameraman on tour and stuff. Yeah. You no, know, in the beginning you don't have that, the, all the finances to do that. Um,
0: was that easy for you to get filmed? like? All the in time. the beginning no
1: and if, you, <laughs> if I see the first episode it's super fun to watch because like you see how uncomfortable I am and in the first episode I actually show my my house yeah uh, so it's it's kind of it's very personal <laughs> it's very personal yeah. and it's yeah it's but the response to it was was really really fun and really good and uh, it, that's exactly what I wanted I wanted to show people. Who I am and why I do what I do, and I think front of house TV was uh, was a big success. And then afterwards we did the documentary, where I actually have my family, like my, my mom and dad is yeah, in it, and my well sister shit, is in that. it, and because I mean I can tell who I am, but it's better if someone else um, tells the story because yeah, I don't. They see me in a, in a w- yeah in a different way, of course, and mm-hmm. they know much more about me than I know about myself. Probably. <laughs> so uh, it was really fun to watch for me as well because I, I didn't know what they said in the interviews. I wasn't there when they were recording it, so mm-hmm. that was um, that was a big deal for me.
0: Do you have any upcoming like those type of shows that you want? to Yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. So everything now is translated to funk because I have my own label now, mm-hmm. and now front of house TV is funk TV and then funk radio and stuff. So everything is funk. Um, and I just started I started vlogging, but that was just like super amateuristic and me just holding the camera and shaking every <laughs> It was like it was horrible but eventually that was kind of the the whole idea behind it. it's just like super low-profile just fun to watch and some super lame jokes in there <laughs> And now uh, we have Funk TV, so I just brought my video uh, video guy with me and uh, yeah actually the same thing what we did with front of house t v but now it's funk t v mm-hmm. yeah.
0: and then how did the name funk come about? was it because of your previous name? yeah, kind
1: of everything is influenced by by the funkiness of, <laughs> of uh, the, and the grooves that i that I have on my tracks, and funk is just a slang of f- yeah funk mm-hmm. funky music
0: yeah yeah how did you meet the people at spin the people at spinning um
1: when I was making, I, I had like this one song that I made, and it wasn't really suitable for either Revealed or my own label. And I sent it out to, uh, to Spinning, to Jorn, who's the A&R uh, over there. And he immediately responded like, oh man, I love this, and uh, yeah, you should come over and, and sh- show what you have. So I, I went there, we did an a r meeting, I showed them all the tracks I was working on, and. They, yeah they were super um, super happy with it and super uh, I said, uh, mm-hmm. enthusiastic about it excited about it so that's how we uh, we start working together or more I said, yeah, more commercial it's not yeah not really commercial but more like the vocal housey tracks that I made just the tender love and falling in love which is a bit more out of the way of my clubby funk sound
0: mm-hmm.
1: and but I still that, that, that's how I divide everything. So I have my progressive house style, which is the revealed sound, just in a new collaboration with Hardwell as well, which is progressive, more melodic stuff. And then funk is just my club sound, and then spinning is the more commercial, danic mm. sound that yeah. I have. So and that's how I divide it in three pieces, and that's yeah. it.
0: How did you decide to do the imprint?
1: Um, because I, I wanted to do the same thing as what Hardwell did with, with his Revealed. Just helping out all those talents that are, in, you know, busting their asses off in, the, in their bedroom studios. But they, don't, they didn't have a platform. And I just noticed that there was like Future House, you had a big room, but there was nothing in between. Like the club sound was missing. And that's why um, yeah, why, why I started Funk, actually. Just mm-hmm. to focus on my own sound, the sort of Danik sound, to emphasize that. But also, and that's the most important thing, to help out all those young talents. Um, And actually, like, right in the beginning of the process. So when they send me a demo, and it's, like, 50% finished or something, I help them finish the track. Oh, wow. But I also help them with the mixing and mastering of the track. I do all the mixing and mastering for them. Mm -hmm. Uh, Or I just, like, whenever it's 90%, I make sure it's, uh, you know, 150. (laughs) (laughs) And by doing it, I also wanted to give them... Yeah, the publicity and the and, and the platform to uh, to help them get bookings and get better at what they do, obviously, and be a mentor for them.
0: Mhm. And then, have you like being in electronic music for so long? Do you ever find yourself like chasing trends or difficulty staying relevant at times?
1: Obviously, you question yourself every now and then, especially I think last year when everyone was trying to be the next chain smokers. Yeah. <laughs> kind of, because everyone was struggling to find, um, or wanted to follow a trend because it's, you know, everyone wanted to be on Spotify now streams are more important, so how do you do that? Mm-hmm. Club music isn't going to have a huge amount of, of streams if it ain't like melodic or has a yeah. vocal, because you're not, you know, you know, my mom listens to like chill music. <laughs> um, so yeah, obviously sometimes it's it's hard, and you want to be, you don't want to box yourself. You want to be creative. You want to think out of the box sometimes. And in the studio, I make tons of different music. I also made some hip hop beats just to, you know, explore what I what I can make. Um, but eventually, I found that, found that. I still love m- making just house beats, and that's what the Denic sound is about. So that's why I choose. to, Okay, if it's gonna be more commercial, then it's gonna be something like Tender Love or Falling in Love, or the recent tracks that I did on Spinning. Um, and that's it. So I'm not mm-hmm. gonna follow any trends like, oh, now I should make more hip hop or whatever.
0: What like to you to try to grow overseas, like especially in Asia? You're really trying yeah. to grow there. Yeah, you're probably the first. Producer I've ever met who's performed in Hong Kong which is where I'm from and I've interviewed like 300 people so. oh yeah
1: yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, it's insane and and Asia is is only starting out yet. It's um, I think it's the same thing what happened here in, in the States like six years ago when, when EDM came came in um, It's really really fun to, to see and it's really exciting as well because it's so the market is huge. Yeah um, and especially China where obviously social media is, is totally different than, than we're used to, so everything is new to them. Mm-hmm. And it's really exciting, it's really fun, and also, yeah, DJing there is totally different than w- when I play yeah. here, for instance, which makes it even more interesting mm-hmm. for me.
0: Do you feel like you have pressure for the DJ Mag results? Because I know in Hong Kong, like, they really, really care about it.
1: Yeah, but I think eventually, if. Um, more and more people start start to know like how it really works it's obviously it's, it's a popularity poll mm-hmm. but it's you know whenever whenever i'm number 20 for instance mm-hmm. and i don't sell tickets then you know eventually it will caught up with you it's 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 not going to work
0: mm-hmm.
1: that's that's how i think and so yeah i think music is always key music is number 1 oh <laughs> and music is <laughs> It's, it's what's what's gonna put you on the map and and it's the only thing that will you know will decide if you if you will be relevant yes or no. Mm-hmm. So is a number gonna help you? Yes, maybe. But obviously in the beginning it helped me a uh, little bit. But nowadays it's just like you have to focus on making music and killing your DJ sets. That's the only the only way to gain fans and and yeah to stay relevant.
0: Mm-hmm. How would you say your music has changed since the early songs you made?
1: Um, early on, I i mean, Progressive House was super big and uh, everyone was listening to the old Alesso and Swedish House Mafia, so everything was very inspired by that.
0: Uh,
1: yeah. Nowadays I i do love a little bit more of the housey stuff lately. Mm-hmm. So eventually I, I get inspired, of course, by all the DJ shows that I do. <laughs> <It's gonna laughs> Um, and obviously you want to grow as an artist as well, as a producer, so uh, making the same song over and over isn't, isn't going to help you either way. But in the end, I love a good melody, I love a, uh, an energetic drop, which is groovy. So that's what I will always make, and that's how I kind of stay true to my, to my sound. Mm-hmm. But obviously the sound is evolving, the sounds that I use are evolving. And, um, yeah, that's it.
0: How would you say you've grown as a person compared to when you were younger?
1: Um, it's always a tough question, but <laughs> if you travel the world so much, obviously you're going to change as a person in a good way, I guess. I'm really, really blessed with what I have and what I'm able to do, and that I'm able to share my passion with everyone, and, and basically uh, I love what I do, so I never have to work anymore. That's how it feels. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, the, the, the stakes are, are higher. Every, every time you have a certain status, it puts a lot of pressure on you as well. So mm. in the beginning, everything was new, everything was fun. And now sometimes I've, I have to deal with more and more pressure from people expecting me to do certain stuff, like music-wise, but also I have more people working for me. So eventually, you know, you have to make sure that uh, you, you can pay your bills and stuff and uh, you stay relevant as an artist and uh, keep your focus and then also be there for your family and m- your social life and Obviously what happened to Avicii is kind of what op- opened up the dialogue about it as well Because mm. last year I all, almost had a burnout oh. Every time I got a text message or an email, wow. I got like an anxiety uh, attack. So I, that was like a wake-up call for me.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and I basically switched up a whole lot of the the process I actually like stopped drinking on tour mm. um, because yeah it's so easy like the party is always there there's always drinks there's always alcohol and it's like yeah if you're uh, Easily addicted or something, then that, that could be a problem. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm not saying I'm alcoholic; like I never drink at home. But like, um, yeah, if you if you see a promoter for it six times, like, hey, that's a mm-hmm. shot well. But it's so easy; it's, it's the the life we're in. Yeah. But all the jet lags and stuff. Like I get older as well, so it's just like eventually it will, it will get to you.
0: Mm-hmm. Actually, with that, like. How were you able to get through and also advice for people who are going through pressure or anxiety?
1: I actually talked to, uh, not to a psych, but like a coach, a mental coach. Uh, because I was struggling to find the balance in, in between like social life and then when I got home from a jet lag, uh, and jet, I was jet lagged, mm-hmm. I immediately felt like I had to deal with all the emails that were in my inbox. and But also like, oh shit, I have to make music because otherwise, you know, I don't have... Um, music laying around or whatever and it's basically yourself who's, who's, who's putting that pressure on you uh, so I, it was just like um, I had to talk to someone to actually look in the mirror and say like okay I don't yeah. if am I gonna die if I don't respond to these emails no probably not <laughs> it's just like a, a switch that I had to do and of course now nowadays when I go when I get home I throw away my phone and I, I don't do anything for a day. Mm. Then the next day I start working again. So I, I I have to find time for myself and and yeah, just switch off the, the world for a second. Mm-hmm. It's harder than it than it, than I'm saying it right now. Like it sounds super easy, but it's not. It's uh, I think you you should definitely like talk to someone that you trust and try to see if they can over, like like you have to have someone with a helicopter view. That can help you with the right, um, yeah, the, the right things.
0: Mm-hmm. What does love mean to you?
1: What does love mean yeah. to me? Everything. I think love is what uh, makes you happy and, and makes you stronger. And especially, m- my family means everything to me. So it's it's far more important than than money or success or whatever. Love mm-hmm. is love is key.
0: Last question: What do you want to be remembered for? Um.
1: Oh, that's a, that's a good one. <laughs> I want as an artist or a person or both. As someone who's uh, who loves to share his passion and yeah, spread happiness. It sounds super cliche or corny, oh, I love that though. I that's what I what I always try to do in my DJ sets and with the music that I make. I want to spread happiness and actually, uh, yeah do something for the world. Like I wanna if it's small or not, like I wanna help people who are struggling with whatever. And that's what I what I hear from a lot of people like from the music that I make. Sometimes it, it really helps them like fight depression or mm-hmm. even if it's a club song or, or, or a song with uh, like Dear Life for instance. Hold on for Dear Life I think is the best message that you can give to someone. That's what I want to be remembered for. Like, inspire people also by what I do.
0: Yeah, Yeah, I love that. I love this so much. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) Bye.